100 Pounds Down is brought to you by Medair. Medair Live Clean. Here at Medair, we believe that by giving people the ability to choose safer, effective and conscious products for themselves, their homes and their families, that we're doing some good in the world. We're creating a new approach to modern health by eliminating controversial chemicals in the products you use every day. And that sparked a goal for us. 10 million healthy homes around the globe. We won't stop until we get there. And when we do, we're going to keep on going because we want you to feel better, look better and to live better. Here at Medair, live clean. Medair.com.au Hi, my name's Tony Eels. I'm the creator of the 100 Pounds Down program. And I'd like to thank you for coming back. This is the second podcast. Uh, we had a great response to the first one. I'm pretty overwhelmed by it, actually. And um, I'm just really excited that I've been able to touch a couple of people and maybe you'll get something out of it. So this week we were actually going to have a special guest, uh, but we've had a last-minute scheduling conflict and um, we've had to put that off for two weeks. But Natalie will be joining us then. I'm really excited to, to sit down with Natalie and have a discussion. Uh, next week, I'm actually going to be away, so I'm going to actually do the podcast from Las Vegas, which should be fun. Um, who knows what that's going to be, but we will do that and move forward from there. So I had some stuff that I wanted to talk about with Natalie, and, and it's, it's some issues that I've discussed with some friends over the last week and things that have been brought up from people who have listened to the podcast and messages I've received from people, from listeners. And so I thought I'd kind of maybe look at them. And a few of the things that we were talking about were that people really connected to the journey that I've been on. And it's hard for people who've never been through this to comprehend and understand what a lonely, lonely journey it actually is. I have a wonderful partner and a great family around me, some really fantastic friends who have been very supportive, but they're not able to help you on your journey as such because it's your journey and the issues that you're dealing with on this journey are internalized. That they're, they're, they're in your head, they're in your, the cells of your body. It's, it, you know, very few of us, very, very few, if any, people became obese from outside influences forcing the food down our throat. Maybe if we were in a coma and somebody overfed us, maybe, but, you know, that's highly unlikely. We're in control of ourselves and in control of what we put in our mouths to a degree. And, you know, our mind, our emotions, our internal programming, all kinds of things have been what have let us down and led us to the point that we're out of control and obese. And then we finally take some steps to do something about that and to change the way things are for us because we're unhappy with it. And while that takes a whole bunch of courage in itself, it doesn't change it overnight and it's not going to change it. And the one thing that I learned is that all that fat that I had, it buried stuff. It covered stuff, it covered emotions, and it also covers layers of, layers of emotions. And, you know, I've done an awful lot of therapy over 
25 years, I guess. Um, you know, I've dealt with a lot of sexual abuse, being sexually abused from the age of two. And then again, you know, basically until I was about 14 years of age. So for the first kind of 12 or 14 years of my life, I was sexually abused by, thank God, no one within my family, but people close to the family, people in the neighborhood. And that has a profound effect on you, even when you don't realize it. And you realize it in levels. Uh, for a long time, I never source a lot of the abuse as even being abuse. And then the early stuff, I didn't remember till much later in life when I was digging through doing therapy. Um, I was actually, I guess if I'm honest, fairly violently raped and abused when I was 12 um, by a family friend, somebody that my family thought they could trust. And years later, we discovered through our group of family friends that this person hadn't just done this to me, he'd done this to a number of boys. Um, ironically, he died on my 33rd birthday, I think it was, 32nd, 33rd, it was somewhere there in my early 30s. He actually died on my birthday from HIV that he had caught in Thailand somewhere years, years and years later. Uh, I couldn't help but miss the, uh, you know, connect the coincidence or the irony in, in, in that for me. But, and I was working through a lot of this stuff at the time. So it really struck me at the time as being pretty prolific. But bring, coming back to our lonely journey, the, you know, all this emotional stuff from, you know, from the age of zero to seven, we're sponges, literally. We imprint everything that happens, everything we hear, everything we see, what we hear from people on the television, news, what we, everything we take in, even friends, school, blah, blah, blah. It all takes in like a sponge because we have no capacity to be able to process it, nor a frame of reference to be able to understand it. But we take it in anyway. Um, that's where a lot of our early fears and stuff are created from because we hear stuff, we have our own limited understanding of it, but we don't, you know, it's not our stuff. Anyway, um, as we grow, that begins to change, but it's not until we're 14, 15 that we actually start to actually really comprehend and develop our own set of skills. So any of you who have had teenagers know what a fun time that is when that kicks in um, and we, you know, step into our rebellious stage. But we still don't really have any skill set to deal with all the stuff that's gone on previous. And I've discovered that our weight is one of the best ways that we use to mask the stuff that happens in the first certainly seven years and probably the first 14 years of our life, 12 to 14 years of our life. So for me, there was a whole lot of sexual abuse in there. But there was also other stuff. You know, there were family traumas, stuff that as a child you just don't understand. As an adult, I can look back and I completely understand I don't have any anger, any um, negative feelings about a lot of the stuff that I experienced as a child. But as a child, I didn't understand it and I was wounded by it, felt hurt by it. So on the journey that I, I continued along, as I lost weight, different things would come up. And I thought I'd done a lot of work on this stuff to remove my issues when I was still fat. And as I was struggling with my weight, with dieting, with exercise, with yada, 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 for years and years and years, I was 
you know, I was doing healing work. I was, you know, all sorts of stuff. And, you know, my therapist used to say therapy is like an onion. You don't just get to the core, peel it out, and boom, it's okay. You just keep peeling layers of it. And every now and then that imprint will come up, an old imprint will be triggered by something. And it's not that it's there again that you need to get upset about. It's that you recognize it. And when it comes up, you recognize it and you go, oh, okay, yep, I remember that. That's because of that. So, okay, work through it and you can peel that level off and let it go. Doesn't mean it's never going to come up again because it will. But it may be a lot longer. It may come up less. It's about developing an awareness of your triggers that is actually the key to therapy above and beyond all of it. So I'd done a lot of work and, and a lot of the time I thought I had cleared stuff and then it would come up and it took me a long time to learn that lesson about the layers, even though I cognitively knew it and understood it and would even preach it, but I didn't integrate it into myself and actually get it. So every time one of these things would come up again to do with my weight, I was a failure. I knew my problem with being fat was because I overate. I knew that I substituted food for love. So when I felt unloved or upset, I would turn to food and that would be what I needed to nurture myself. I was born a month early. I weighed um, just under four pounds, I believe. And I was so small, they used to actually bath me in a mixed master bowl, in a Sunday mixed master bowl. That's how small I was. Uh, my mum and dad were going through an incredibly stressful time. Um, they'd just lost a, a business. They were in the process of that business trying to save it and it going down the toilet. So they were trying to save the family home to keep everything going. And they were lucky enough that my grandmother was able to take me because my parents were both working huge hours just trying to stay afloat. And I was past for a lot of the time to my grandmother who had me from early morning to late afternoon you know all during the week because my parents were working and then quite often at night if they had things on I would stay with my grandma I spent a lot of time with her and it was a great relationship my grandmother did a lot for me she also taught me to read and write by the time I was about three and a half because she was a grandma who'd been a governess and she didn't want to be surrounded by babies she was at home on her own again after having stopped working and she needed a bit more than that so it was great for me I was able to interact with adults at four years old and with quite adult con conversations and concepts even with all of this I still didn't understand the core fundamentals of what was going on and along the way things would pop up like this person who sexually abused me dying on my birthday it impacted me hugely um, and I peeled up layers of stuff and moved on. I could talk to people about what was going on, but still on the inside, I felt empty and I felt lonely. I felt misunderstood. I was embarrassed. And more than anything else, I was just angry at myself. I was so angry at myself. I imagine all of you or a lot of you can relate to that. Just the... The slightest thing will make you snap and yell and rage because that rage sits just inside us, just under the skin, in our gut. 
because it's where we feel angry at ourselves. It's where we feel we've let ourselves down, where we feel out of control, where we feel like failures, where we feel all of those really negative, awful emotions. And as any of you who are overweight know, if I was black or Asian, Latino, anything, that's kind of off limits to make comment about that. In, in most respectable situations and in most parts of life, people don't comment on race. People don't often comment on sexuality anymore. It's fairly rare. People don't comment on most things. People are, are usually tend to be polite in social situations. The one area that people seem to have no problem voicing their expert opinions is about your weight. The amount of times I've been out somewhere and gone back for seconds and had some skinny bitch tell me, you know that you're eating too much, that's why you're fat. You know you're doing this, that's why you're fat. You know if you didn't eat that cream bun, you wouldn't be so fat. That made me want to reach back and slap that person into oblivion. I know that's why I'm fat. Do you think I'm an idiot? But it's people like you that make me feel empty and angry on the inside and I want to smother these emotions so I don't grab you by your scrawny throat and choke you to death. Of course, you never say that because we're a polite society. But that's how I felt inside. How dare you? How very dare you lecture me about how I should handle myself, how I should eat, how I should, what I should put in my mouth, what I should drink, what I should do. You're not me. You don't understand me. You know nothing about me. How? Just shut up. Of course... That just adds more fuel to the fire because then you have to bury those emotions of anger with more food. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. But it's that loneliness and that anger that just is debilitating. And the more we become afraid of our own rage, the more we become afraid of those emotions because society tell them, tell us that negative emotions are terrible. Negative emotions destroy the world. Negative emotions, are, they're just the pits. No one wants to be around negativity. That part's true. Except negativity and negative emotions are a very different thing. One of the little things that I've learned on my journey is that everything in the world, in this great universe, is about balance. You can't have positive emotions without negative emotions. You can't have a positive charge without negative charge. One can't exist without the other. Stop and think about that for a second. How different would your life be if you could look at those negative emotions as you judge them within yourself? And you don't see them as being negative anymore. You don't see yourself as being a bad person because you don't think the way that you think you should or society tells you should feel about something. How would you feel about that? And how would that change your life right now? That just by understanding that without accepting and acknowledging those negative emotions that we have, we can't have the fantastic positive emotions that we all want, that society tells us that we must have and that we must strive to maintain. Little 
earth shattering, isn't it? That somebody actually tells you to reach out and embrace your negative emotions, that they're okay, that it's okay to have them and it's okay to acknowledge them. Yeah, it's not about spraying somebody down with a diatribe of negativity. Absolutely, it's not about that. But it's okay to feel negative about something. It's okay to feel disappointment because without disappointment, you can't feel joy. So on this journey where we feel lonely about dealing with these feelings of failure and embarrassment and all the rest of it, you know, I'm a very intelligent person. I've done Weight Watchers, failed. I did the home delivery in Australia here. We There's a company called Light and Easy where they deliver. Everything's in bags. So you have your frozen TV dinner thing for dinner. You have a bag with some fruit and crackers and stuff. All your meal is calorie controlled. And, you know, Tuesday breakfast in a bag, Tuesday lunch in a bag, Tuesday dinner in the freezer, blah, 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 blah. As simple as it could be. Fantastic. Lost weight. Stopped it, gained weight. I've done the shakes. I've done the South Beach diet. I've done the protein diet. I've done ketosis. I've done Atkins. I've done Pritikin. I've done every single diet that you can imagine. Yet I was still fat because I am a fat failure. I've read every diet book printed, understood them, understood with clarity exactly what I should do. Was still fat. I went and had a gastric band to help my back heal. Well, I didn't realize that at the time. I thought it was so I could then go and have surgery to fix my back so I wasn't in pain anymore. Failed. And just to go through those numbers again, 63% of people who have gastric surgery will fail and never achieve the weight loss goal set to them by their surgeon. They will lose minimal weight, if any. And quite often what they do lose, they will gain back again. Of the 37% who are success stories, 25% of those will gain the weight back within two years and be right back where they were. 75% approximately are failures. Over a million surgeries every year in the world and 750,000 people will fail because they never address this stuff. They never address the feelings that you have inside. They never address your feelings of failure. They just banded your stomach, sleeved your stomach, gave you a bypass, put a balloon in your stomach, whatever it is to stop you eating and getting nutrition in. Because if they can stop the nutrition, they can starve you to where you need to be. But they can't. And if they were honest, they know that. But I think they keep working. I don't think the weight loss surgeons, my gastric surgeon certainly is a wonderful person, and he's doing his best to help people. But he's not a psychiatrist. He's not a psychologist. He's not a psychotherapist. He doesn't deal with the emotional stuff. He has, a in, in, in my office, and I've never had experience in anyone else's office, but I imagine they're all the same. There are dietitians available to you if you had weight loss surgery. That's great. We've all read diet books before. We've all had some skinny bitch tell us what we should be eating and what we shouldn't be eating. We've all been there. Didn't work for us then. Why is it going to work for us now? It's not. Of course it's not. It's just another person telling you how you need to live your life. The funny thing is our weight 
actually is us controlling our body and taking control of our body. It's not that we're out of control because we consciously decide to put the food in, but we're doing it to mask the pain and the suffering and the hurt and the anger and all that stuff we keep inside. It's, it's to contain us. And each time we store those emotions inside us, the container needs to be slightly bigger to hold it. And every time we fail on a diet, we get a little bit bigger because that anger is a bit bigger and we need to hold that stuff in. And maybe it's to protect people around us so that they don't get hit by the explosion of rage if it ever comes out. Because I don't know about you, I'd like to hear from you to, and, and to hear if this is how you felt or maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm a lunatic. But I often felt like if I let go, if I started to let the rage out, if I started to tap into those black, black, deep, gooey, awful feelings in the pit of my stomach, if I started to dig into them, that I would never stop. That if I started to cry at the sadness that I felt and how I'd let myself down so many times, that I would never stop crying. That I would come completely unglued and my life, I would cease to function because I would just collapse. I would fall to the ground and I would cry for the rest of my life. And I was also terrified that if I allowed that degree of sadness and depression loose in my life, that it would cause me to take my own life. I've tried that a couple of times. The last time, I was pretty much there. And the only reason I stopped and somehow managed to save myself was because of my dogs. And my dog was screaming at me as I was hanging, dangling, feeling actually quite peaceful about the fact that it was finally going to end. I wasn't going to have to battle my weight anymore. I wasn't going to have to feel sad. I wasn't going to have to feel abandoned and rejected. I wasn't going to have to feel any of that. And then I looked at one of my dogs who was screaming at me, terrified. And all I saw from him was love, which is what I wanted from someone. And then I tried to get myself down, which luckily I'm strong enough. And I eventually managed to pull myself up and, and get myself to safety, thank God managed to get the rope off my neck and then I slipped and fell nine feet onto concrete and knocked myself out. When I woke up, my dog was laying on top of me and he was licking my face and he just wanted to make me feel better. He just wanted to take some of that pain away so I didn't feel it anymore. He wanted to show me love. He wanted to show me the love that I couldn't give myself. That was a couple of years before, about a year before I started, I had to go and have the gastric band out. There was a lot going on in my life at the time. It was, it was a horrendous time in my life. Uh, my partner and I had decided to call it quits. We'd separated. I had had um, some major life drama going on as well outside of my partnership and I just didn't want to deal with it anymore and thank God that 
wonderful dog changed my mind and saved me because he really did save my life that day. And life got better slowly. And I did a lot of work on myself and I did a lot more therapy on myself and I dug deep because I never wanted to feel that anguish and pain again. And I'm grateful for that day as as, as horrific as it probably is to listen to. And I'm, I'd love to hear from any of you if you've been in the same place. I call it a coming to God moment. Um, I'm not religious at all. I'd say I'm a very spiritual person, but I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'm religious. So I've you know, used to go to church a lot for connecting to my faith, not necessarily because I believe every word in the Bible is true, but I believe it's about having faith in uh, something, higher power, whatever you want to call it, whatever it means to you. And I don't, I'm not getting into religion because it's a very personal thing for every every individual, whatever it means to you. And for me, it's about faith. So I did a lot of work on myself over that time and I dug and I uncovered layers, more layers and more layers of crap. And then eventually I had to go and have surgery. And I felt even after the surgery and, you know, 11 subsequent surgeries that came after or 10 or whatever it was that came after, I seemed like I was in hospital every other day after the major the last major surgery to, for the, where I ended up with a bypass where they took the band out, I felt pretty good about that it was going to be fairly easy from there because I'd done so much work on myself. And guess what? I was wrong again. I think maybe it was easier. And I certainly had a skill set to be able to deal with things better when they came up, for sure, absolutely. But it was more about layers. And that's what this whole life is about, is about finding those layers of loneliness. And what I found at the bottom of those layers of loneliness over, you know, each time I lost weight, I would get to, you know, I, I in, in the last podcast, when I, when I got to my birthday, hundred around the 109 kilo mark, and I got stuck the same place I always got stuck. It was because of one of these blocks. It was another layer there. It was a thick layer that stopped me getting through. It was my my body trying to protect me from dealing with the layer of emotions that was under it. It was a barrier. Once I peeled the barrier away, I looked at the emotions because I was ready to deal with them on some level, even though I had no idea they were there or what they were. But my skill set had developed so I could look at it and go, oh, okay. Wow, I'm surprised by that. And when I got down to... 101 kilos, 100.1 kilos, 102 kilos uh, on my anniversary, two-year anniversary of my surgery. And I was just devastated. And in the last part, I told the story about going to the fridge and I was standing there looking. Like all of you, I'm sure every single one of you knows the stance where you have the door, our door swings to the right on our fridge. So I have my right hand holding the top of the fridge door. My left hand is on top of the fridge. And I'm hanging there looking, looking like a predator, looking for something to devour. And I recognized that I wanted to cover the emotion I was feeling. I knew I'd done enough work. I knew that when I felt unloved, when I felt pain, that I wanted to cover that with food because food was love. 
But that day I stopped and I asked myself a question. And the question I asked myself was, okay, Tony, yeah, you know it's about food. Yes, you know you've got feelings there and that's what you're trying to cover. What's the feeling? What is it that you're actually feeling? Is it anger? Is it pain? Is it sadness? What's the actual emotion? Disappointment? Maybe all of them? What is it? There were absolutely levels of disappointment and feelings of failure. Even though it was 200 grams I'd missed by, somehow in my mind I hadn't crossed that barrier, so I'd failed. You know, the fact I'd already lost a huge amount of weight didn't mean anything to me. But I had stopped myself from getting to my goal because there was a big part of me didn't believe I would actually get there. There was a big part of me that never believed I would be under 100 kilos again. I didn't believe it was possible because I'd failed so many times before in my life. I never believed I could achieve success. How many of you feel that way? How many of you feel that you can't be successful because every time you do this, you're a failure? How many of you have felt and feel even right now, I've had a gastric sleeve, I've had a gastric bypass, I've had a gastric band, the balloon, whatever the gastric surgery that you had was, or the fact you're contemplating gastric surgery because you feel like a failure because you've done every diet that you could find and you still are not where you want to be, you're still not happy, you're still fat, you still look in the mirror and you hate the person that you see, you're angry, you're disgusted at the person you see. How many of you feel that right now? Send me a message. Talk to me about that. I would love to hear from you because I can relate to what you feel. I can relate to where you're at. I can relate to the sadness and the fact that thinking about it right now almost brings me to tears that I was so horrible to myself. I would never treat another person the way that I would gladly treat myself. And that's one of the things that we need to fix. So I asked myself the question, what was the feeling? How was I feeling? And I got an answer for the first time, and it blew me away. Tony, what are you feeling? What, what, what's, what's the feeling you're feeling right now? How are you feeling? How are you feeling? And I felt anxious. I felt anxiety. I'd never felt anxious in my life that I was aware of. Not once. At least not that I could remember. But my heart was pounding and I felt anxious as hell. And uncovering that feeling changed things for me. I closed the door of the fridge and I didn't eat anything. And I went and I sat in a chair. And I took a minute to dig into those feelings of anxiety. Why do you feel anxious? Hmm. I feel anxious because I failed. I feel anxious because I'm never going to succeed at anything in my life. I'm never going to be a success because I can't do this. I can't be thin. I can't lose weight. I can't look how I want to look. 
I can't be who I want to be. I can't be who society tells me I should be. I can't go to a shop and buy a suit off the rack because I'm too fat. I've got to sneak into some tall man, fat man shop to buy a shirt because I can't buy off the rack. I've got to sneak in there like a married man going to a strip club because I am so humiliated and embarrassed and want no one to see me. I'm surprised big man, tall man shops don't have a back entrance you can come into through the back of the parking lot at the mall. We would all feel better. And here's a tip for the people that own those shops. We would all feel better if we could sneak in and no one saw us. It's like going to a sex shop. No one ever wants to be seen going in and out of one, yet everyone's curious what's in there and some people need to buy stuff that's in there or want to buy stuff that's in there. But no one wants to be seen in there by anyone. It's our own judgment of ourselves. So I dug through my anxiety and it took me a couple of days of just sitting with it. I didn't jump. I didn't make any rash decisions. I just sat with it. And allowed myself to be okay with sitting with it. And I had, uh, it always seems to work this way for me. I don't know about you, but it always does for me. Is I had about two days later, three days later, I had a therapy session scheduled. The big things usually seem to pop up for me right before I go. And I walked in to my session. I sat down and my therapist, we just did the general chit chat and my therapist said, how are you doing? I said, well, I, I don't know. Actually, I really don't know. And he said, well, okay, tell me what's going on. And I said, I have anxiety. I suffer from anxiety. I'm riddled with anxiety and I have no idea how to deal with that. I have no idea what to do with that. But I've realized that that's been driving me all of my life. What came next was not what I expected at all. Uh, I see a psychotherapist because I found, for me, mind, body, soul, connection, relationship, it works best for me. I've been to psychologists and I'm, I've been to psychiatrists. I'm not dissing any of them, and if they work for you, that's fantastic. They don't work for me. For me, I need to have a connection with the person that I'm working with, regardless of, of what I'm doing, how I'm doing it. In a relationship, every, every person that we know, we have a relationship with, whether it be our intimate relationship partnership, whether it be a relationship in family, whether it be a relationship with friends. In all of those relationships, I want a connection. I want to feel connected to the person that I'm in relationship with, that I'm talking with. I want to feel a connection. And the more I lost weight, the more I wanted that connection because I just had this strong desire to be present. And that came through a lot of healing and a lot of therapy. But my therapist looked at me and tears started to roll down his face. I've known this man at, at that point at 20 years, or more than 20 years. And we've been through a lot together. And, you know, I haven't gone and seen him every week for 20 years. There, were, there was a period of time over 10 years I didn't see him. But we've been had a therapeutic relationship for probably nearly 25 years. And 
or since not actually since 1995, so 22 years. Um, he had tears running down his face and he started to cry. And I had no idea what to do. I felt uncomfortable, but I know enough that I was okay to sit there uncomfortable because I wasn't quite sure what was going on. And he saw the look on my face and, and he just put a finger up like to, to say to me, you know, give me a minute. He got himself together and he said to me, I'm so very, very sorry. And I looked at him a little puzzled. I said, it's okay that you cried. He said, no, let me finish. He said, I'm sorry that I've let you down. I'm sorry that I never realized before that you had anxiety, that that was in there. He said, you know, I've suffered anxiety all my life, but in my body, it's easy to see. In your body, I couldn't see it. You hid it very well. You were very adept at hiding it. And I was. I had totally hidden it. I had managed to keep it buried so deeply that no one ever saw it, including me. And how I did that was I'm a workaholic. I would work 50, 80 hours a week. I never stopped, sometimes 100 hours a week. And when I did stop, I ate or I'd be out socialising where I'd be the life of the party and making sure that no one actually looked too deep to see how fragile and out of control I felt. I was the funny fat guy. And him acknowledging and seeing me like that was, was a huge shift. And we talked about that during the session a lot. Another couple of friends of mine who have a therapist of different modalities over the, the, the next couple of months would comment to me that they noticed a huge change in me. And I would tell them what was going on. And they each were like, hmm, wow, yeah, okay, I get that. I, I never thought about it before, but okay, that makes perfect sense. Since then, I've done a lot of work with people in a similar situation to myself. I've done a lot of research. I've actually come to believe that a huge, huge percentage of us who are obese, the huge percentage of us who fail at gastric surgery, and while I may feel like a gastric surgery success now, I want you to remember that for seven years, I was a huge gastric surgery failure. I would lose weight and I'd put it all back on. As soon as they, as soon as they released any tension on my band, I gained everything back plus some. I was still just as out of control as ever. So was I a failure? Absolutely. But what I want to encourage you to say is changing some words that we use. And it really helped me to do that. And I refer to myself as being a gastric surgery failure. Now I refer to myself as being a gastric surgery survivor. Because the skill set that I learned from a very young age may have been the skill set that caused me to gain a lot of weight and become obese. 
It's also the skill set that kept me alive for as long as it needed to, till I had this ability, the opportunity, and the support to change my internal structure, to change my internal programming, to become the person I wanted to be, to become a gastric surgery success. So understand that you're where you're at. You may feel like a failure, but you're where you're at because that's where you're at. And the one thing I absolutely know with certainty to be true is that none of us can achieve gastric surgery success by gastric surgery alone. We have to deal with this stuff inside. We have to. So some of you may have kind of figured out by now that 100 pounds down is actually about that, what we're talking about right now. It's about how we change our minds, our mindsets. It's about how we work our way through our inner turmoil and our inner demons and our inner crap and make peace with them. It's about how we remove the obstructions from our life. It's about how we remove our self-created obstructions from our life and the ones that people put in front of us. The one thing I absolutely know to be true, and I can guarantee you right now, your life will never change until you change your life and until you do things differently to how you've done them before. It takes 66 days to create a positive, well, actually, that's the wrong word, I'm sorry, to create a change permanently in your life, to create a new pattern, to overwrite the old patterning in your mind and create a new mindset pattern. It takes 66 days of consistently doing it every single day. And 66 days might seem to a lot of us to be huge. It's really not in a scheme of things. Yes, it's one day after another, and that's how we need to look at it. And there are lots of techniques that I can teach you along the way. There are lots of things that I can show you, lots of things that I've learned over the last 25 years and really learned to implement in the last four that made that change in my life. But it is a process. You didn't become obese overnight. You're not going to be skinny tomorrow. But it's committing to a journey. 66 days is just the start. But trust me, after maybe a couple of weeks, you get in the routine and you don't even notice it. You just keep doing what you do. You keep each day reinforcing the positive changes or the, or the, or the changes that you make. And when we talk about some of the changes and some of the obstructions that we face, I want to acknowledge something that each of us face, regardless of the intention of the people around us and the relationships that we have around us. There is something that happens that's very real and most people don't acknowledge that it's going on, nor do they even understand that it's going on. And if you challenged some of the people around you that this was happening, they would absolutely deny probably quite aggressively that it was the case but the people we draw into our lives are drawn to us for, for lots of reasons uh, it can be that we are emotionally matched it can be that we're physically matched that our physical appearance draws them in and i'm talking about intimate relationships here but i'm also talking about family 
you know, there'll be family members that you're close to and family members that you're not because personality-wise and emotionally you fit. You don't push each other's buttons. You, you blend together. Sometimes it's a symbiotic relationship and other times it is a relationship of need. Nevertheless, it's that relationship. And what happens as we go down this journey, as you progress and grow and heal to become a weight loss, gastric weight loss success, you are going to change. You will be a different person at the end of this journey. That much I can guarantee you. Yes, you may have elements of your personality that will be the change, but you can't have this kind of massive healing do this kind of massive work on yourself and still be functionally the same person. You're not going to be. Okay? It's like going through a divorce. At the other side of a divorce, you're not who you were going into it. Absolutely not. Anything traumatic that we go through is the same. But what happens is, is you're going to find some relationships around you, and it may be your intimate relationship, it may not, that all of a sudden you find major issues. Sometimes you see a person for who they are, and not necessarily that they're intentionally being, but just who in fact they are, and why that relationship has worked for both of you in the past, that now you're a different person, no longer works for you. And they will fight you and try and derail you every way they subconsciously know how to keep you where you are. And most people want you to stay who you are because people inherently don't like change. People inherently will do everything they can to keep the status quo in place. And that's one of the most challenging things that you'll face on this journey. As you change and grow, they will subjugate your choices and they will try to undermine some of the stuff that you do in very subtle ways because you're actually pushing their buttons by changing. By watching you do the work that you do and question the things that you're now questioning will actually make other people look at their stuff, and most people don't want to look at their stuff. It's something that you have to consciously choose to do and be aware of and monitor and work at. So I want you to be aware of that. And I'm sure that lots of you have that experience, and like I would love – I'm fascinated by people's stories. So when I keep asking you that I'd love to hear from you, I'd love your feedback, I'd love all that kind of stuff, I'm being very genuine about that because I'm fascinated by people's stories. I love to – hear people's stories. I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. I've been a musician, singer-songwriter, done lots of things in my life, lots of stage work, blah, 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 blah. As you can tell from my pods, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. In an old-fashioned way, I relay the stories of life, of my journey, and maybe other people can get something from it. But I absolutely cherish when people do the same back for me. And it doesn't have to be publicly. I'm, you know, privately, I'm happy to do that. I like, I, I just love that stuff. You know, there is a hundred pounds down secret group that I've created. There's only a couple of us in it right now. I've just created it. So if you hear this and you would like to be a part of that group where you can share in safety, in anonymity, and no one from the outside can see what we're talking about, but it's a place of nurturing and support for other people who are on our journey, other people who know our experience and it's a place to share. And you, I, I'm all about community, and, and that's what, for me, 
100 pounds down is about above and beyond anything is to create a safe strong supportive community for people who know what we know who've lived what we've lived and who've experienced what we've experienced so i would love you to be a part of that journey with me i would love you to join me i would love you to jump in and see where it leads there are things that we'll talk about you know in the coming few weeks and months there's there's some really exciting stuff that that i've developed and with and with my team i've helped to develop and they're programs that we've developed that can really achieve some major change and you know it's not just somebody who's lived it but i've also got experts in the field to come in and create programs and to help us and we've got strategies in place that will make a difference and if i can make a difference if i can take one person in this world who's had gastric surgery and still feels like a failure who hasn't lost their weight and i can change that for them and i can show them how i did it and help them to turn around to become a weight loss success my life is worth living at that point not that it's not now because i absolutely the joy i feel every day when i hop up is immense and the joy i feel at the success and when somebody says to me oh my god you know i, I saw i saw somebody about a week ago who i hadn't seen in about five or six years and i walked in and this person had no idea who i was and then all of a sudden watching the recognition on their face when they realized it was me and they were blown away um it, it, it's it's the best feeling in the world that's what winning lotto i imagine would feel like i've never won like i get excited winning 12 dollars on lotto but i imagine winning powerball that's how that feels but this comes every day i have experiences like that every day i get to feel a bit of that because of my journey and sharing my journey with people and seeing the difference and the reactions in them is amazing so if i can help one of you if i can help 10 of you if i can help 100 of you if i'm honest i want to help 15 million of you because there are a lot of us out there who've been down through this journey and who have been left on the rubbish heap at the side because no one knows how to help us because no one knows what it is they need to fix they fixed the mechanics still didn't fix the problem the problems in the internal electrics in the programming you've done the hard bit by having the surgery you've done the hard bit by being through all that stuff if we just fix the internals if we re, if we reprogramming the if we reprogram the computer inside you i promise you your world will change i know through experience that's how your world will change so if you're excited about that if you're excited about the prospect of of being able to create change in your life if if maybe this has given you the smallest piece of hope that that you can achieve what i've achieved i want to hear from you i want to hear a hell yeah at the bottom of this podcast go and write in the comments i'm ready for change you know it's about positive positive reinforcement so that we support ourselves to make that difference in life to make that change to be different and to accept that we have the power each and every one of you right now no matter how weak no matter how tired no matter how at the end of your tether you are each of you has the power to change that right now it's not going to change instantly 
it's going to be a journey. I can promise you it's going to be a journey. And there'll be times where we will laugh and there'll be times where we cry. I, I cry more now than I ever did. Part of that has to do with the fact my body is so small now, I don't have the capacity to hold that emotion in like I used to. I'm an emotional person and I wear my heart on my sleeve. And the reason I do is because for a lot of people who can't deal with emotion, they need to see it coming so they can make plans to either escape or protect themselves from it because they'll be overwhelmed by me. I'm not the person for everybody. I'm the, I will be the person that's right for the person who I'm right for. And whoever that is, I'm okay with that. So I really want to thank you for listening in. Um, and I look forward to the pod next week. I have no idea what it's going to be about yet. Um, we'll, there'll be something that will come up. Orga this is a very organic process for me. I have a script that I lay out. I had a plan laid out. Much like the meal plans, it kind of goes to the wayside. But I do know that I end up exactly where I'm meant to do, to be, and I say exactly what I'm meant to say and do exactly what I'm meant to do when I just am authentic, when I'm real, when I allow myself to be vulnerable. And I just sit there open with my arms open going, this is who I am, this has been my journey, and if I can help you, come and sit down with me and I'll see what I can do. And I guess... I'll wrap this podcast up today by saying that if my journey resonates with you, if you're willing to try and make a difference in your life, to give it a go, you've got nothing to lose. Come and sit a while with me and let's see how I can help, if I can help. Let's see what changes I can empower you to make in your life. Have a great week. I will talk to you again next Thursday. As I said, I'm, I'm uh, heading off to Las Vegas on Monday. So if any of you people listening are in Vegas, hit me up. Um, I'll, be, I'll be in Vegas for a week and then I'll be home. Um, have a great week. Be kind to yourself and be gentle to yourself. And remember, you're the only one who can make a difference. I'm Tony from 100 Pounds Down. We've got this.